Drum roll, please. Finalists for the Stats and Stories Data Visualization Contest have now been selected. We need your help to decide which finalist will join Rosemary and me to celebrate our 300th episode. Entries from the five finalists we selected have been posted on our website at statsandstories.net slash voting. Be sure to review each entry. Clicking on the link to interact with the contribution of each finalist and see what you can take away from their stunning designs and provide some comments about why you selected this finalist as your favorite. Voting runs through the end of August at statsandstories.net slash voting. So get your vote in now and stay tuned for our upcoming 300th episode. Now, here is your regularly scheduled episode. The Consortium for the Advancement of Undergraduate Statistics Education, aka CAUSE, has held the United States Conference on Teaching Statistics, also known as US COTS or US COTS, every other year since 2005. This conference enables teachers of statistics to exchange ideas and discover how to improve their teaching. The theme of this year's conference was communicating with and about data, a topic near and dear to us on the Stats and Stories podcast. Two sub-themes were explored as part of this conference, helping students to communicate the process and results of their statistical analysis and helping teachers to communicate with students in order to develop their understanding of statistical concepts and their ability to implement statistical methods. Four conversations with leaders and speakers at the United States Conference on Teaching Statistics were recorded on site and we are happy to feature these in a collection of episodes of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm John Baylor. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. Guess where I am? The U.S. Conference on Teaching Statistics. Some say us cots, some say U.S. cots. Alan Rossman will certainly tell me why I did it wrong. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I'm joined here by Kelly McConville of Harvard University and Alan Rossman of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. They are the program chairs for the U.S. Conference on Teaching Statistics 2023, or as the primitives like me say, us cots. <laughs> so... Well, thanks. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to talk about this wonderful conference. Thanks very much, John. I do prefer to call it U.S. COTS, but lots of people call it us COTS. The people who call it us COTS like the fact that us implies everyone in it together, and that's certainly one of the one of the attitudes and themes and poses we try to strike with U.S. COTS. So yeah, well, I wonder since I this is my first time, I hate to say this, so should I have called it UCOTS? Prior to this, as a consequence? No, 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 no. <laughs> Call it whatever you want. We're just, glad, we're just glad you're here. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious. You, you two are now the, you're the charge program chairs, right? This is, this is what, a, what a great thing. And thank you for the effort that you put into it. And for all of us that are able to, to join you, we're excited to see the program you put together. You, you had a theme that you picked this year. Yeah, yeah. So our focus this year is on communication. 
Uh, so it feels kind of fun to be on the podcast, given that theme. Um, but specifically, it's about communicating with and about data. Um, so thinking about communication, both, you know, extracting knowledge from data and then communicating that in an effective way to stakeholders or, or peers, um, but then communicating about data. So understanding difficult concepts like confounding and variation and being able to talk about those difficult ideas. Yeah, it's, it seems that there's a lot of job security and miscommunication just because of, of so much of quantitative information it seems like it's misrepresented and misunderstood. It's, it's a, a very important part of what you do and what you're trying to encourage among the community. So can, can you talk a little bit about, you know, as you think about this theme, why now? Why did that come up as important now for this year and this program? That's a good question. And I think communication is always important, and we haven't addressed it as a theme before. So partly it was just the time to do it because we haven't addressed it before, and it's critically important. Another aspect, I think, is we try to appeal to a wide variety of types of teachers. We have teachers from two-year colleges and four-year colleges and research universities, some high school teachers, some graduate students who are thinking about pursuing careers in teaching. So we always try to choose a theme that's going to be relevant to statistics teachers, no matter what situation or environment they're in. And we think communication certainly fits that too. And maybe I'd add, you know, as um, the data and the models get messier and more complicated, maybe communication and being able to boil things down into simple terms becomes more difficult, but also just that much more important. I, I'm curious, as, as you reflect on your own work and on your on the practice of statistics and, and education and statistics over the last number of years, what have been some of the big changes that, that you would note? I've been at it for 35 years, so there have been lots of changes. <laughs> One is certainly the power of computing and the accessibility of computing. That certainly changed how data is analyzed. That certainly changed how people teach everything and certainly how they teach statistics. I think in the last five to 10 years, the, the, the advent of data science is starting to have a huge impact on statistics and on everything else. And I think that's gonna, gonna be more and more impactful in the coming decade. One thing I'd add to that is uh, multivariate thinking. So I think a lot of introductory statistics courses used to focus on you know, extracting knowledge from just a single variable or the relationship between two variables but that's not the world we live in, right? We live in a very multivariate world. So um, trying to help students grapple with finding relationships in, in, in many variables and, and sort of sifting through the noise to find signals in those, those multivariate um, situations. Okay, so, so now I want you to, to put on your prediction hat. You know, so this is where you get to make some incredibly bold prediction of the future of uh, the next big thing in teaching statistics and data science. What might that be? Boy, that's tough. That is tough. What year was it, Alan, where the theme of U.S. COTS was yeah. the next big thing? I bet it was 2011, maybe 2013. That was the theme. And so all the speakers pretty much made their predictions. Were they right? Well, the consensus then, well, not consensus is a strong word, but lots of people predicted that simulation-based inference would be the next big thing. And I think to some degree, they were right. I think simulation-based inference has become much more widely used in the classroom in the last decade. And the idea has been around for decades and decades, but I think in the last decade, 
more and more teachers, even especially of introductory statistics, are using simulation to help students understand basic ideas of statistical inference. So I think to some extent, the folks who predicted that 10, 12 years ago were on the mark. I think it's harder to make predictions about the future than about the past. <laughs> so maybe I'll defer to Kelly for the future. Well, one, actually, looking towards the past, but uh, a more recent past, so four years ago, so the last time U.S. CAP was in person, the theme was around hypothesis testing, p-values, right? This was around when the ASA had come out with their statement around p-values. And I... I don't think we've radically changed how we teach hypothesis testing, even if that was the theme four years ago. And I, I wonder if that will will come to pass in the future, right? More of an emphasis on talking about effect sizes or power, de-emphasizing hypothesis tests and emphasizing more estimation and prediction. So um, maybe that is more of a hope of mine than, than necessarily <laughs> what's going to happen. But I think another thing I would mention is just the increases in modeling, right? Like the number of models out there, but also the widespread disciplines who are using much more sophisticated models. And, and I mean this across the spectrum, right? So I think of very classical statistical models like a linear mixed model, I think are more commonplace all the way up to, you know, those fancy predictive models like a neural network. And the more these become commonplace in other disciplines, the more I think they're going to need to bleed into our statistics classes earlier and earlier than they currently do. So, so I would predict that to be another big thing is to, to think about how we can get more sophisticated modeling techniques into earlier, earlier statistics classes. Okay. I, I, now I have a one, one last sort of two-parter question for you both. Uh, what is your favorite thing to teach? And what is your least favorite thing to teach? And no, no opting out and going back in time. <laughs> you, you, you know, you got it. You got a good question. My favorite thing, to, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. I, maybe a statistician shouldn't say this, but my favorite thing to teach is probability. We have a course in Cal Poly that's called Introduction to Probability and Simulation. So we have students approaching probability from a simulation perspective and from a mathematical perspective. And I really enjoy helping students to, to look at questions about randomness from both of those perspectives. They do a good bit of coding as well as doing a good bit of analytical, traditional probability analysis. So as I say, I'm somewhat embarrassed to give that answer because probability is a mathematical concept. It's not so much a statistics concept, but that's, that's currently my favorite course to teach. Least favorite is harder. I'll ask Kelly to go next. All right. For favorite, I would definitely say it's data wrangling, which is a topic that's pretty new to my classes. But I think it's, to me, I, I drank the Kool-Aid and I'm convinced that we should be teaching introductory students data wrangling because out in the real world, they're not going to see perfectly clean textbook data sets that don't have missing values and, and have all synthetical observations. Um, and so we need to teach them early on how to wrangle their data into a format that actually they can build models, build visualizations, do summaries. And so I, I think it's a lot of fun. And I think it's fun because there's like a certain subset of students. I think of these as the students who love to have a really tidy room, who like dig into data wrangling and get so much joy out of it. Um, and so, so yeah, I think for me, that's, that's probably my favorite. Um, I would say for my least favorite, so, uh, you know, I talked about Kool-Aid. One other 
during the parade that I, I did take was related to the simulation-based inference Alan talked about earlier. So I teach simulation-based inference in my intro classes, but I still feel like after that, I have to quickly teach my students about t-test and that sort of thing, because I know they'll be exposed to that in, in other disciplines, but it feels like this somewhat redundancy um, that, that I'm just not that excited about. I don't like having to talk about is n greater than 30, because that's a silly metric to be checking and, and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, that one gives me not much joy. All right, Alan. Um, my, my, <laughs> I was hoping you forgot. Yeah. <laughs> what I was thinking before you gave your answer about least favorite was pretty similar, just getting into all the details of procedures and and, and frankly, I try not to do that so much, try to emphasize to students the general principles and the basic reasoning approach that's the same across multiple procedures. And, and like Kelly, I'd spend some time on the details, but I try to minimize time on the boring details. Well, very good. I, I, I mean, I think I, I might echo the same kind of responses when I think about things that I really enjoy. I, I like buzzwordy too. So <laughs> Great, glad to hear. I'm slightly less embarrassed. No, no, no. <laughs> well, we, you and I can join together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Data wrangling sounds more fun. Well, buzzwordy. that's fun too. I, it, that's, well, it, it's been a, a great pleasure to, to have uh, Kelly McConville and Alan Rossman join us on Stats and Short Stories, a very special edition where a roving reporter is wandering the halls of a conference center in State College, Pennsylvania, to talk about this. Uh, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you very much. I've had a great time at the U.S. Conference on Teaching Statistics. And one of the joys is getting to interact with, with colleagues new and old, uh, new, new and old to me. Not, this is not a chronological statement. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have the, the great pleasure of having Larry Lesser, a professor at the University of Texas at El Paso, joining me to talk about, you know, life, the universe, and everything. Or, well, or at least the part that he's interested in, particularly in statistical edutainment which is an area of great interest for, for Larry. So I'm going to start out and just say, well, first, thank you, Larry, for, for taking the time to chat with me. It's great to be here. Thank you. And can you tell me a little bit about what, what is statistical edutainment? And, you know, why should we care? So edutainment is a uh, portmanteau of the word education and entertainment. And it's a way of saying that there's no reason why it, the subject can't be fun to learn. And, and there's a lot of studies that show that uh, the use of fun in this way um, helps motivate and engage students and helps them remember things, too. I, I know that there are, there are probably a number of students and, and may have thought entertaining and fun and statistics are not phrases that they think to go together. I mean, I, I think you and I probably both accept that as, a ho as what we hope would occur when we were teaching this. So can you give some examples of, of some illustrations, paint a picture for us of statistical education? Sure. I mean... Um, the Cosweb Fun Collection, which is cosweb.org slash fun, um, has, has 13 different modalities, ranging from songs and poems and games and jokes and quotes and short stories. And um, there's really no limit to what mode of fun can't be integrated with statistics content. So well, I, I know you've contributed some things. What are, what are some of your favorite things to contribute? Um, so most of what I do is, is songs, because um, I've been a songwriter also, and, um, but I've also contributed poems and, and jokes and cartoon captions and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you and I both have competed for some of the captions at the same time. I'm, I'm sure yeah. I, I came out on the short end of that, that competition. 
it's great fun to see it. And, and I, I always love that every month to see what the pictures that, that come up and what, what inspiration the cartoon might bring. Yeah. It's a, We've had a lot of student winners in those contests, too. Oh, that's fun. Have you ever had students? Uh, did you encourage your students to participate in those? I do. I, I give them an assignment in my classes. Uh, they can get extra. I don't want them to put them on the spot if they feel like, well, I'm not artistic. I can't do this. You know, it doesn't stop me. But, um, you know, if they create a statistic song or poem or video or something like that, um, they can get some extra credit points. And, and that there's always some that take me up on that. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Now, so you've been teaching for quite a while, now, as have I. You know, that was decades of doing this. And I've certainly seen a lot of changes. And I'm, I'm curious, what kind of changes have you seen in terms of, of the teaching of statistics? So I really think, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's really when you do it in a way that's really integrated with learning objectives, it's, it's not just this frilly thing. Which is not to say that sometimes it's not such a bad thing to do something that is just for fun. Our fun is very purposeful. We it's you know we have lesson plans that go with many of the fun items. Um, you know it's very intentionally used. Um, even NSF has funded some of the work that Dennis Pearl and I have done on on the using educational funds. So okay, obviously to get NSF to fund you, you it's got to be something you know, of substance. So, so that kind of infusion of some of these ideas that you've had from from uh, statistical edutainment mm -hmm. has been a, a pretty big change from where maybe you thought about starting an instruction of statistics to now. It is. It is. I mean, and it's just, again, just kind of organically grown and becoming more and more structured, more and more widespread. And now the collection has like a thousand items in it. Oh, wow. Searchable and curated. So um, it's, it's, it's a very exciting time to be doing this. So if you were going to give a suggestion to whether it's a high school teacher, a community college, an introductory stat teacher, if they were going to start doing this, what, what would, what, to dip their, their toes in the water to get going with this, what, would, what might you suggest? So the, the good news is that, you know, a little bit goes a long way. In fact, you don't want to overdo it. I mean, there, there's even some research that suggests that, you know, doing, you know, like if you use humor in class, doing, you know, having like three jokes during your class period is about right. Because if you only do it once, then it's just this one off and it doesn't seem to kind of have momentum. But if you're doing it every five minutes, then you're probably overdoing it, you know. <laughs> so so uh, there's actually a study that, that, okay. that did that. Um, so, so, in the, so, you know, you, you try it out a little bit and you see what works with your students because a whole a lot of this can be very context dependent. And you do more of whatever works. Uh, you know that uh, those are words to live by. You know, let's 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 actually learn from data. Maybe that's something that you're you're suggesting here. Right, and 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 you know you can use them for different purposes. You know, there's some um, fun items that are useful um, when introducing a topic to grab their attention initially, and there's others that are good to sort of sum it up and give them something to remember it by as a more mnemonic kind of thing. And there's others that just are designed to provoke class discussion. Like you show them a cartoon where they have to kind of think a little bit to get it. And then you have a discussion. Okay, why would, what's the joke? Why is that funny? You know, what's going on here? You know. Oh, okay. That, that's kind of, that sounds like that would be fun. I mean, to deconstruct the humor of this. Mm -hmm. What's the, there's a, there's a message here that makes this funny. What might that be? I, I like that. That's, that, that sounds like that would be a great, a great exercise in a class. How do the students respond to this? As, Oh, I mean, you know, it, first of all, it doesn't take much to, uh, to to exceed the bar some of them have because they're just braced for this to be this dreadfully boring or intimidating experience. 
But when you bring in something like that, it really humanizes the subject matter, it humanizes the course, it humanizes their instructor because, you know, it shows that, you know, we, we can take the subject seriously, but we don't have to take ourselves so seriously. We can, we can be playful about things. And, and, and I know that it helps them form more of a con personal connection with me. And when they see that I'm trying things outside my comfort zone, perhaps like trying a magic trick or trying a, a, a song or something, bringing in my guitar to play it for them, then it gives them permission to maybe be more of a statistics student that they thought they could be, you know? If they, so it's, we, we kind of meet in the middle that way. Yeah, that, that sounds like a great, a, a great way to connect. I mean, that's sort of building this community and, that, and connection is a big part of that community. It absolutely does. Yeah. And, and it, you know, because a lot of people have, I mean, statistics anxiety is like a, a measurable thing. There's instruments for that. And you, the using of fun items and humor um, is a way to really kind of lower that and, and, and help them feel comfortable. So let me ask you one, one last question here, Larry. As, as you think about the, the future of statistics, I mean, get out your, your crystal ball. You know, and, and make a prediction about where you think the future might be for statistics education. Wow. You know, what comes to mind is 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 something that that is sort of like informed by data. You know, just like we have like personalized medicine, you know, being a trend. What about personalized education? We learn more and more about um, you know people's interests, and and we design bits of curriculum that sort of like speak to that. Wow, that's that's that sounds really really interesting. That sounds is a I've, I've known of there have been some examples where people try to think about learning styles and evaluating learning. It can styles go way and, beyond that, and, though. Yeah. but that is an example. Sure. Yeah. So can can you think about kind of what what might that look like for example as you go well beyond that? Well, so for example, so as you noted, I, I teach at the University of Texas at El Paso, and and so an eighty percent of the the student body is of Mexican American heritage. And so I've designed like probability lessons based on the game Tomatodo or La Loteria, which are beloved games of that culture. Oh, that, that sounds that sounds like a, a great experience. I, I I wish I had had classes like yours. I mean, these would be fun. I mean, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> you know, I, I wonder if that's something that that's manifest in a lot of our classes. That that the things that that really speak to us about our discipline and make it real and make it fun are things that we want to introduce as we teach. Sure, because if they, you know, if we're not having fun doing it, the students pick up on that, but if we're having a good time and it's really showing our passion and joy, I think it empowers them as well. And that's a great place to, to finish up. So thank you, Larry, for taking the time. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. You're very welcome, thank you. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on our program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.